0: Don't wait. Visit Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save.
2: It's a new week here in the X-Zone. I am Rob McConnell, and for the next four hours, I'm your host and your guide as together we cross the time-space continuum to this place that I call the X-Zone. It's a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. It's a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. And the X-Zone comes to you Monday through Friday from 10 p.m. Eastern until 2 a.m. Eastern. Oh my gosh, all over the world on the Talkstar Radio Network, Mutual Broadcast Network, iHeart Radio, Xena Media, Simul Radio, and Simul TV at www.simultv.com. And the X-Zone TV channel is Channel 21. If you'd like to send me an email, exxon at exxonradiotv.com on all social media sites, Radio TV. and for the programming we have available for you 24-7, 365 on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. Exon Nation, my guest this hour is Mike Cleland, and uh, Mike's uh, 2015 book, The Messengers, was met with high praise. In it, he explores the mysterious connection between owls, synchronicities, and UFO abduction. It was his first-hand experience with these elusive events that have been the foundation for his research. This book is also a personal memoir and a journey of self-discovery. His website, hiddenexperience.blogspot.com, explores these events and their connection to the alien contact phenomenon. It also features extended audio interviews with visionaries and experts examining the complexities of the overall UFO experience. Mike is also considered an expert in the skills of ultralight backpacking and is the author and illustrator of a series of instructional books on advanced outdoor techniques. After 25 years of living in the Rockies, he now lives in the Adirondacks. And joining me now is Mike Cleland. And Mike,
3: welcome to the X Zone. Mike, are Thank you... you so much. I'm right here. Oh, Sorry about are. that. You know what I did is I put myself on mute just so you would have a <laughs> nice, perfect silence and you wouldn't hear me breathing or, or, or my chair squeaking in the oh, background. Oh, sure. So That's a spoil I'm, all I'm delighted to be here. So hope uh, I didn't make you panic there. No, no, second. no.
2: I'm I'm, uh, I'm kind of used to these things after 29 years of doing this show. But it's always great to have a guest come on and say, I'm here. Um, first of all, welcome to the Exxon. Great talking to you. And what part of the Autorand- Autorandex do you
3: live in? Right near Lake Placid, so oh. I'm very close to the Canadian border. So beautiful um, place.
2: Beautiful. place. The, beautiful the place.
3: closest big city is Montreal. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I uh, I grew up on the south shore of Montreal. About uh, let me see, it was about a 45 minute drive to the the border at Plattsburgh Rouse's Point.
3: But i but yeah. right near Plattsburgh. Yeah? yeah, we take the I take the ferry all the time over to Burlington, Vermont. That's so right. Yeah. Lake Champlain. I have I've have yet to see Champy. On I keep a watch yeah. watchful eye, but I've yet to see her. So. So, how did you get
2: in? And uh, tell me about this connection between owls, synchronicities, and UFOs. Now, I've been doing this show a long time, and I've never heard a connection with an owl.
3: So, okay. So, I so I'm 56 now, and uh, turn the clock back. I think it's about 12 years. I would have been. Uh, it was. I think it's almost 13 years now. I would have been. It was in uh, 19, or 2000 and. Six. Mm-hmm. I was living in uh, Idaho right near the Grand Teton National Park it was a beautiful spot I lived in this amazing place and I would go camping for one night um, at the time I was working for an outdoor school and there was this woman working at the school and I said, Hey, let's go camping. And she said, sure. Oh, that's a great pickup line. Let's go. Well, camping. that's a kind of town. It's like the kind of thing, I guess if you, you know, whatever, if you live in Malibu, you can say, Hey, let's go surfing. Or if uh-huh. you live in New York city, you can say, Hey, let's go to this fancy restaurant. But yeah, where I lived, it was let's go camping. So uh, up here um, and where I live is let's go to my place. Yeah. That, uh, yeah. So we have to, so anyway, it was, it wasn't really truly a date. So okay. it was more just a, I, it was a complete stranger though. Mm-hmm. Her name is Kristen and, uh, we went camping for one night. The weather forecast was perfect, so there's no reason to bring a tent. We just slept out under the stars. Mm-hmm. So we walked in with very light packs. Right. And I, um, sun was setting. We, you know, you walk in in the afternoon, you can get pretty deep in the mountains in a few hours, and and we were in this absolutely gorgeous point in mm-hmm. in uh, right at, in the Tetons, and um, the sun was setting. And she said something, and it me and i and i was like wow this is a really impressive person like i didn't expect this it was a complete stranger And she said something that struck me what was that we'll get to that in a second to tell this so in a but at that moment she said something Mm -hmm. an owl flew over us and then a second owl and then a third owl and for the next like two hours these owls flew around us and above us as the sun was setting um we ate and and laid our sleeping bags out under the stars and and uh and and literally, we were laying down looking up at the stars and there was just for one half a second just a microsecond whoosh, the skies would be blotted, the star would be blotted out above us, and it was really magical now owls are very quiet in flight, I mean they were flying right over our faces and blotting out the stars. Mm. It was so magical um so we got up the next morning and hiked out. It was a wonderful hike. We were back in, before lunch uh, back to town. And um, I said, hey, I'll, let's do this again. And she said, sure. So four days later, we went camping again. At sunset, we were watching the sunset, and an owl landed near us. This was a completely different part of the mountains. An owl landed near us. Another one flew above us. And then one landed at our feet. And before, they were kind of kept their distance not the second time they were they were they were right there next to us landing at our feet, and I have I've done a lot of outdoor work and spent a lot of time in the mountains. I've never Man. seen anything like this. Now what I am saying now I don't I didn't say it at the time. I'm saying it now. I had a I had a thought in my head. I had like a voice in my head that says I was looking at real owls mm-hmm. at my feet. Both times, this voice was, I'd look at these owls, and I had this voice in my head that said, this has something to do with the UFOs. Now, what I didn't say earlier on is I had all the symptoms. Let's see, symptoms, let me, that's the wrong word. I had certain life experiences, that's a better way to say it, that would imply or point to UFO contact. I had missing time, I had some close-up UFO sightings, and in 1993, when I was 30 years old, I... There was a bright light shining in the bedroom window. It was very unusual. And I sat up in bed and out my window, backlit by a very bright light source, were five skinny gray aliens with the big black eyes and the big bald heads, and they were walking towards the house. And I I should have been scared. It mm. was a very strange sensation. I should have been scared. I heard a voice in my head that said, now is the time to shut down and i put I had a, excuse me and i put my head on the pillow and i and i went to sleep now so the, all these those events i have a handful more but those are the most telling of the the memories that i had those events were kind of simmering and i knew i would have to look into those at some point in my life and this at that point in 19 or excuse me 2006 i was at the point when i needed to look into those experiences and i knew it but instead, I was denying it. I was pushing it away. I did not want to deal with these, these what these events implied. After seeing the owls mm-hmm. and that voice in my head, I started looking into it. I started contacting abduction researchers. I started contacting and They would often put me in uh, touch with other people who've had the contact experience. And I started networking and talking and researching. And mostly, I was researching myself. And... In doing so, because of these owl experiences, every person I would talk with, I would I would ask the question, have you ever had any odd experiences with owls? And it's certainly not 100%, but enough that there's a very clear pattern. People would say, you know, that's funny. No one's ever asked me that. But yeah, I, I have had odd experiences with the owls, and and I started collecting these stories. Now, eventually, I, I, I uh, started a blog, and one of the very first blog posts that I put on was that camping story with Kristen. Mm-hmm. It's just a nice story, seeing some owls in the mountains. Sure. After I posted it, I, it bugged me. I got back to her and I asked exactly the question you asked me earlier. What was she talking about? And so it was three years later, I couldn't remember. And I was like, I got a hold of her, I said, Kristen, what were we talking about the very first night when we saw the very first owls? You were talking about something that left me, that felt, I don't know, it felt important. What were we talking about? She said, oh, I remember exactly what I was talking about. And she said, I was trying to give my deepest most heartfelt definition of what god meant to me now that took an already powerful set of events and turned it into this almost like transcendent moment for me now i'm not at all churchy or anything like that but i recognize the power in what she said and i am not kidding i spent the next well i'm doing it now i'm still here it's now 12 years later i have spent the last 12 years digging into exactly the question you asked me initially. What is the connection between UFOs and owls?
2: All right, we've got to take a break. Please stand by Exonation. Mike Leland is our special guest this hour. He's the author of The Messengers. And uh, if you'd like more information about Mike, his website is hiddenexperience.blogspot.com. And Mike and I will be back after this short break as we continue here in the Exon with yours truly, Rob McConnell, from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada
0: Don't wait. Visit Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. sono slash save.
2: Don't, don't go away. Welcome back, everyone. This is the Exxon. I am Rob McConnell. Before we get back to our guest of this hour, Mike Leland. Uh, um, let me see. first of all, Ellie Marzuli has his new book out. It's available on the, uh, the X Chronicles newspaper site, and Mac Maloney has a new book out entitled "Mac Maloney's Haunted Universe." And for all the information on Mac Maloney, his book, his radio show, by the way, which is going to be on this network on the XZBN in the very near future, visit his website at MacMaloney.com. I'm talking to Cleveland I'm, so, I'm sorry, I'm talking to Mike Cleland. And um, we're talking about his book this hour. The Messengers. His website is hiddenexperience.blogspot.com. And before we went to the uh, short break, we were talking about the question that that I asked you about what you and your your friend were talking about that night that you spent under the stars, and we're you know the the connection then with owls and other people who have had. alien abduction experiences um how many
3: people you know have an owl connection well i mean uh, how many in the numbers now like i'm i'm not an objective or objective researcher i'm completely subjective Mm -hmm. so i if you google ufos and owls uh, you know someone's going to find me Mm -hmm. and and i have so i'm now collecting these stories so like in my files it's like that's my files consist of is people who've had this contact experience with and then also have had owl sightings so it's in my files it's mm-hmm. dang near 100% but uh, so but that doesn't transfer over to other to like what another researcher who has a more you know well, a let, wide let, Let's view just of take
2: it. a look at the the basic alien abduction scenario as reported
3: Okay here I'll just let me just so here's let's jump a half a step back this here's a very common story guy friend of mine he's become a friend since Mm -hmm. doing this he's uh, lying in the desert uh looking up at the stars he's camping and he him and his buddy look up and at the top of this cactus is an owl it's staring down at them in in it's nighttime and they're like kind of it's a little bit menacing and it flies off and a moment later a triangle-shaped ufo flies right above where they're lying and, and proceeds across the landscape this I have this story in one form or another over and over and over and over. Yes, it's unusual to see an owl at night, but it's not impossible. Absolutely. It's very unusual to see a UFO at night, but you know those reports come in. To have those overlap over and over and over again is remarkable. Now, that's well, a very pedestrian sort of account that I just gave you. Some of them get extremely bizarre. But I'm, I'm wondering why you're saying it's, it's rare to see an
2: owl at night when owls hunt at night. Well, how often do you see an owl at night? I go up I mean, to my I, daughter's cottage, and I see them all the time.
3: Oh, good. Okay, so you're living in a place with a lot of owls. I live in a place in, in upstate New York where uh-huh. I hear more owls than I see. Yeah. So, yes, but... um. Uh, okay, here's an example. Of this. this woman is in... She's in um, a large city in uh, Brazil. She's in an apartment building. Mm-hmm. She's on her balcony, mm-hmm. and she looks out over the city, and she sees this silvery craft flying above the city. She sees a flying saucer mm-hmm. and it's cruising along and her eyes following it and there's a building directly in front of her and the and the skinny building and the, and the flying saucer is zipping along and she's it should just go behind the building and pop out the other side. And she says, it didn't pop out the other side, like disappeared, like it didn't come out and she's kind of saying, um, all right guys, uh, where'd you go? What's up? At that moment, two owls Come and land on her balcony, and they lived there for a couple months. Coincidence? That's, I I'm at the point. No, it's not a coincidence. I'm at the point now where I've read so many of these accounts and talked to so many people and have been in in close contact. You know, through mostly through email, uh-huh. but often you know phone calls and talking to people directly. Um, I it's not a coincidence. Something else is going on. What that something might be is a tricky thing to untangle. What I can say is that this pattern from my direct research and my direct experience is real. What it means, how it works, what it implies is something altogether different, but, the, but the, these, these events, there is a connection between owls and UFOs. What it might be is very elusive, but the connection is there.
2: All right, let me ask you this. I've been doing the show for 29 years. Four shows a night, four hours a night. I do an internationally syndicated radio uh, TV show. I publish newspapers. I've never heard of an owl and a UFO in the same story before. How come?
3: They're certainly in the same story. So they're in um, the in the book we trace back to Communion, which was uh, published in uh, 1987. Whitley Strieber, okay. Yep, Whitley Strieber's book, and on page I've, I think it's page 27. I've, I've mm-hmm. footnoted this so many times. And there's an account, the very first abduction account that he kind of that came into his, what we call abduction now. He doesn't use the term abduction. Um, what we popularly call abduction, he wakes up the next morning, had this bizarre experience. He has a memory
2: mm-hmm.
3: of an owl on his windowsill. It was wintertime, it was Christmas Day, so it was the next day, it was uh, December twenty-six when he woke up.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Him and his wife, he said, there was an owl, something weird happened last night, there was an owl on the windowsill. And he goes out there and there was no, there was fresh snow and there was no, um, tracks or prints or the snow was completely undisturbed and that was very unsettling for him so here we have the very first UFO or UFO abduction account that kind of took hold of the uh, population I mean that book was a very uh, widely read book okay so what's the connection with the owl all I can say is that I'm collecting stories. No, over no, and no. Over I, again. I mean, with this yeah.
2: story that you're telling us from the book "Communion," the guy goes wakes up Christmas morning. He has something to do with an owl. He goes outside. There's no proof of the owl, but he has a memory
3: of an owl. All right, dream. So who knows? Who now? Yes, but why would he? He so here's it. So you talk to I spoke with Bud Hopkins about this before he died. I've spoken with many UFO uh-huh. abduction researchers. This is this is. Yeah, I say, do you have any owls? Do owls show up in your research? And they look at me and they say, oh, yeah, we get owls all
2: the time. Could it be because owls have big eyes like the extraterrestrials are supposed to have?
3: That is the implication. Mm -hmm. So the the story that emerges when you talk to the UFO abduction researcher, Mm -hmm. that is that, here's a typical story. People driving down the road at night, they turn a corner, Mm -hmm. there's a great big four-foot-tall owl in the road. It's very strange. They stop. They look at it. Maybe they drive on. Oftentimes, the owl can look over the hood of their car. Mm -hmm. They continue on. They get home. It's two hours late. They're missing two hours. So the implication there, and and oftentimes, if they go through hypnotic regression, I'm paraphrasing a bit, but it goes something like this. The hypnotherapist will say, describe the owl. And they'll say the owl is tall and skinny. It's about four feet tall. It's very skinny. It's bald. Mm -hmm. It has Uh, big black eyes and a little skinny space suit on, and I don't think it's an owl. So the implication is that the the UFO occupants, most probably the skinny gray aliens that we've all come to recognize, Mm -hmm. are somehow using a screen projection, a a projected hypnotic trance of some sort where they can put in an owl into the mind of the observer. I don't know how that works or why, why, but that certainly shows up repeatedly in the
2: research. But why an owl?
3: So there's one, you, you pegged one, a very good reason that po- may be no, the answer, no, no, which no, is no, the no, I g- I gave a possibility.
2: Eyes. I gave a possibility. I didn't give a reason. Yep.
3: Yes, you gave a possibility. Yes. One of the possibilities is that the, the UFO occupants are choosing that simply because they look like an owl. At the same time, deer show up in, in somewhat equal numbers in, in the screen memory aspect. Um. Deer and owls are at the top of the list, and then there's a long list of other things after that that show up as screen memories, but mostly it's deer and owls at the top of the list.
2: You know, uh, regression uh, hypnosis has been not proven to be accurate or correct. I agree. It's messy. It's a matter of interpretation, so how can we take anything that anyone says who has gone with uh, regression hypnosis, even Bud Hopkins' wife, said that it was all a bunch of bunk
3: yes and that but at the so I am I'm, I'm sort of in the middle ground right so I guess you can be very cautious mm-hmm. I think it's a tool that can be used appropriately and at the same time so the, the bud hopkins there's an illusion I think that bud hopkins 100% of his research was based on hypnotic regression that's simply not true a mm-hmm. a lot of people have completely conscious memory of these experiences Um, and so, so yes, so I agree that the hypnosis is a messy, messy business in the sense that it's easy to debunk. It's, you're dealing with the subconscious. Nobody actually has a good working definition of what hypnosis actually is. I feel certain that people could be led astray under hypnosis and, um, Perhaps the skill of the hypnotherapist improves that somewhat, but again, we're dealing with the we're dealing with the subconscious. I I don't know how that works, but so here's here's another story. This is back to the screen memory aspect. Mm -hmm. This is remembered entirely consciously. This woman was 19 years old at the time. She's now an adult. Um, She was working at a girls camp uh, in the uh, Cascades, North Cascades in Washington State, I think. And she was walking between two buildings. And there was kind of a path that went through the woods between these two buildings. She could hear the girls playing in the background and she knew she had had contact experiences. All right, they'd always we're going to take a night. break
2: here. We're going to take a break because okay, I great. do have to take my news. And when we come back, let's continue the story. Exonation. our guest this hour is Mike Cleland. And if you'd like to find out more about Mike, if you'd like to um, visit his website, it's hiddenexperience.blogspot.com. And we'll be back on the other side of the news as we continue here in the X Zone from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't forget you can get your complimentary copy of the X Chronicles newspaper every day of the week, month, year, whenever you want, however you want, simply by going to xchroniclesnewspaper.com. I'll be back on the other side of this news break. Don't go away.
0: don't wait visit sono, sonobello.com slash save com slash save com slash save
2: and welcome back one and all this is the exxon i am rob mcconnell and our guest this hour is mike cleland He's is the author of The Messengers and his website is hiddenexperience.blogspot.com. Mike, before we went to the news, you had just started to tell us a, a story and if I could get you to go back and start the story from the beginning, I'm sure the listeners would appreciate it.
3: Great, so this woman's friend of mine, mm-hmm. she's had a lot of experiences. Um, she was 19 years old at the time. She was working at a summer camp for girls. Um, she knew she had had contact experiences. She had fully conscious memory of basically aliens in her bedroom and lots of odd experiences, but it always happened at night. Mm -hmm. So she was working at the summer camp. She was walking between two buildings, a little path between the buildings. So she wasn't like way off in the woods alone. And um, she's walking on a little path. She can hear the girls playing in the background. And she turns a corner and there next to the path in a little meadow is a gray alien standing there and it's full sunlight, full daylight. She sees this thing and it sees her and she sees it. And it her senses gives her this look like, "Uh uh-oh, I'm busted. And then she hears this kind of, these beings seem to communicate completely telepathically. She hears this voice in her head, this kind of echoing, reverberating voice in her head that goes, owl, 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 owl. And she watches this gray alien morph into an owl, turn around and run into the woods. So here's something that wasn't, there's no hypnosis here and mm-hmm. full daylight. And, and that, I have that story a few times. I've not so much with owls, but with other uh, deer, certainly. Um, so I, so the implication she is that there's this, somehow she was, I don't understand what may have happened, but the, The owl itself, excuse me, the the alien itself chose to camouflage itself as an owl, but something, there was some mistake. It was sloppy somehow. Um, These,
2: oh, go on. I was just going to ask you, you said the owl ran into the woods. Why wouldn't
3: it have flown? Because it certainly didn't seem to be an owl. It certainly seemed to be a gray alien that was somehow Mm -hmm. masquerading as an owl.
2: Could we then use... um the same scenario and say that maybe the mothman from the mothman prophecy who many described as looking like an owl was actually an extraterrestrial
3: uh i i like i don't have an answer that's certainly a good avenue of speculation mm-hmm. and it probably be fruitful that there's some connection between the owl, the mothman which was extremely large mm-hmm. and had a very big wingspan and the owls that are reported are often reported as four feet tall oh, I see. um uh so yes that's I I I have no way of knowing but that would be a potentially a, a an interesting avenue of speculation sure
2: what is there in our in our ancient mythology that we could use as a an example or use as a scenario for why we are where you are hearing about owls and UFO contact or alien abduction contact
3: so earlier you asked me um, you know, the, you sort of said, you know, perhaps the screen memory is mm-hmm. related to the big black eyes. Yeah. That gets repeated over and over and over again in the literature. It's kind of a given among the uh, UFO abduction researchers. I'm very cautious to take that as dogma. Right. Um, the other avenue of thought is that the, they, we c- they could be using the owl for more of an archetypal reason. There's ancient history... Uh, all over all over the world's mythologies the owl is associated with the night for obvious reasons and the owl would then fly into the night and then that became a metaphor in many of the world's traditions for traveling to other realms traveling to the land of the gods traveling to the land of the dead Mm -hmm. traveling to the land of the ancient ancestors the owl would then come back with a message and that's the, probably where I got the title of the book, gotcha. The Messengers, from this aspect of ancient mythology. Now, owls show up in in other uh, highly charged, what I refer to as highly charged events beyond just UFO contact. But my sense is, is that the owls are showing up mm-hmm. more as a symbolic archetype, where somewhere deep in, in us, we have a deep inner knowing of of the, let's say the esoteric meaning of owl, right? You watch Star Wars, you see Luke Skywalker having all these adventures. You're seeing the archetype of the hero on the screen. You're caught up in the story and see the the thrilling movie, but you're seeing the archetype of the hero. You're in the woods, you see an owl, you see a bird with big eyes. Mm-hmm. At the same time, you're seeing an archetype that touches us at a very deep level. What what that archetypal meaning might be is very slippery, again, very elusive. But that is the best answer I've come up with for why they are choosing the owls and why the owl has now become the totem or the symbol of the UFO contact experience. Where does synchronicity come in? Well, synchronicity. Okay, okay. synchronicity. Uh, let me think of a good. So here, so here's a fellow. He tells us. So synchronicity is a is a term coined by Carl Jung. Mm-hmm. And it uh, he has kind of a dry, long-winded uh, definition of it. The simpler definition, it is a meaningful coincidence, a coincidence that is meaningful to the observer. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not an academic. i am I'm an artist. I'm an illustrator, and I'm writing these books to help untangle my own UFO contact experiences. So I'm doing this for a very selfish reason. I'm not objective. I'm subjective. So for me, I went through a period at the same time I saw those owls, with Kristen in the mountains. The aftermath of that, I was seeing a lot of owls and I was having a lot of synchronicities and all those synchronicities tied into to either owls or UFOs. And I I spent a few years there like suffering. Like I felt it was almost like I was questioning my sanity for a few mm-hmm. years. Like the stuff was happening so hard and fast and and so overwhelming. Where does synchronicity come in with it here also. So... This guy, his, um, he's, it's a pseudonym. His name is Nathan. Um, he contacts me. He said, Mike, I had an experience. I, I hit an owl. I was driving through this town on my way to work. It was dark. This is in Oregon. He's driving through the town, and an owl hit his windshield. Bam, he killed it. And he said, you know what? Two years ago, I hit an owl in the same town before dawn. It was at the same time of year. Now he went through and looked at, and I looked at my email, he sent me an email two years earlier. I have it dated, everything's there. He had and killed an owl mm-hmm. in this town before dawn. It was February, it was early February. I don't have the dates in front of me, but early February 2015 and 2017, two years apart. Bo- so here's a man who has had what he could, what I consider UFO contact experiences. And what? He's also seen a remarkable number of owls including the 4-foot tall kind. All oh, right, no, I,
2: I I I'm sorry to cut you off here but how did you jump to the conclusion that he had had UFO experiences based on him just seeing owls?
3: Oh no, no, I've had long long conversations with him. Oh, you didn't and mention we've, that. We we've had lots of talks about you know him and his experiences, yeah. Well, what kind so, of experiences did he have? seeing ufos uh, missing time bloody noses very very strange synchronicities um orchestrated relationships the kind of things that show up in in uh the lore of the ufo experiencer so here let me jump back so two experiences and this is this the the uh definition of uh, synchronicity it is powerful Mm -hmm. to the observer two weekends sunday mornings early in february They were both Super Bowl Sunday. Mm -hmm. You take the word Super Bowl, it spells out superb owl. Now, you could dismiss this right away, but I will tell you that this was powerful and meaningful to Nathan. It was a meaningful, powerful event for him to have that very strange bit of wordplay be connected with these experiences. Now that's a very soft one, but that you asked you asked for an example of a synchronicity, and that's the first one that popped in my head. Um, uh, these so synchronicities show up in connection. You go to a UFO uh, support group meeting, right? Mm. And I've gone them. You sit around in circles, and and a researcher is usually running it, and usually the researcher is a therapist of some kind. And you ask people in the room, like, you know, have you had any odd experiences like with synchronicity? And it's, I, I feel that people who've had the UFO contact experience have a higher amount of synchronicity than the norm. But I also feel that anyone on a, what I will call like a spiritual journey mm-hmm. will have a higher number of synchronicities. So the implication is, is UFO contact somehow tied into a spiritual journey?
2: But isn't it also possible that the person who has a UFO experience has a much more active mind and prone to fantasy than the person who doesn't have the UFO experience. Because there are more people who do not have UFO experiences than those who claim UFO experiences and those who claim alien
3: abductions. Okay, I mean, I'm just, I've talked to enough people who have seen close-up craft mm-hmm. that they're telling very similar stories with very, very similar... I've been doing full-time... UFO research for a decade now and um, are nearly full-time. All right,
2: we've got to take our final break, so let's just hold it here. Exxon Nation, our guest this hour is Mike Cleland, and if you'd like to find out more about Mike, his website is hiddenexperience.blogspot.com and Mike and I will be back on the other side of this break as we wrap up this hour here in the Exxon from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Now, We will be moving our entire TV and broadcast um, facilities to Hawaii over the next couple of months. So, all I want to say is that we've enjoyed being here in Hamilton since the last uh, 29 years, Craig. But, you know, it's time where we start enjoying life. My wife and I, when the children have left home... No, they've never been abducted by aliens. There were times when I wished they would be. But we're going to be moving everything to Hawaii, to the beautiful island of Maui. And as we get closer to the moving dates, we'll be telling each and every one of you how, who, what, when, where, why. But we'll still be here every night.
4: We all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying...
2: Explanation. My guest this hour is Mike Cleland, and uh, once again, if you'd like to find out more about Mike, his website is hiddenexperience.blogspot.com, and he is the author of the Messengers. Mike, the 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 person or the people who have reported UFOs over the years seem to be flamboyant. Uh, they're very uh, they're they're prone to fantasy. They're they are always looking for something out there and and i can't understand why it's only a small number of people who are having these experiences whether they're real or not and why the majority of the population isn't especially now that statistics are showing that society is starting to lose interest in ufology, and this is, being, uh, this is being echoed by the decrease in UFO sightings being reported to both the National UFO Reporting Center as well as to Chris Rutowski in, in Canada. What do you think is going on here?
3: So I disagree with the fact that you, you, the UFO um, people who witness UFOs are somehow flamboyant, or the people who claim the abduction. Mm-hmm. I've certainly have met some flamboyant folks, and I would almost fall into that category myself. I'm an right. artist, and I kind of live on the, I mm-hmm. you know, taught outdoor work and stuff like that. So I'm out of the societal norm in many ways, um, but uh, I have certainly talked to lawyers and advertising executives and bankers yeah. and drivers and people mm-hmm. completely on the on the mainstream of these experiences and I'll tell you what those people do not talk about it they don't talk about it to. they talk to me why would they, <laughs> they talk to talk you why? but they don't talk about it to anyone else why do they talk the flamboyant to you? ones to have nothing to lose so they they blurt the stuff out but so I would argue that, that but why your, do they talk?
2: is on. but why do they talk to you why do they share this because
3: because I'm a, a UFO researcher Because you're and a believer
2: Pardon? Because you're a
3: believer. But yes, people. Yes, because I'm a believer, and honestly, people need to be heard, right? So if you, mm-hmm. if you, people, I, I don't care who that is. Someone who's been through any kind of traumatic experience needs mm-hmm. to be heard. They can go to a therapist and tell their story. Now, I've tried to go to a therapist and tell about my stories, and the therapist was not receptive to. Let me tell you, I've talked, I've talked to other people yeah. who are receptive and it is a very powerful emotional thing to be in contact with someone where you can share these experiences. But how come um, with all these
2: experiences there's never any physical evidence? Oh, sometimes there is. Where?
3: Sure. I mean, there's been uh, the the implants that have been removed. There's been oh, burn wait a marks sec, wait in the a yard. Sec, wait a
2: sec, wait a sec. First of all, let's get back to the implants. Dr. Roger Lear, a podiatrist, and Daryl Sims, an alleged so-called uh, spy with the CIA. Come on, come on, come on. Let's talk credibility here.
3: I don't have any issues with, with Roger Lear being a podiatrist. Mm -hmm. You know, he's, that's his job is to remove, uh, you know, people, things from people's feet. Right. So he's removes, you know, bits of metal and nails and stuff like that. so Uh I can't, this is not, That's not my avenue of expertise. So all All I would be doing is paraphrasing what I've read.
2: But where's the evidence?
3: Now for me, the evidence is in the consistency of these stories. And I am, I am on the outside edge of, mm-hmm. you know, there's like a, there's like a mainstream of UFO abduction research. And I'm certainly on the outside edge where I'm looking at these more elusive aspects of the stories, these kind of outlying stories. And I'm not saying that the source of this is aliens from another planet. Okay. I'm saying that there's, people are having real experiences. I don't know the source of these experiences. All I can say is these experiences are playing out in, in two ways. They're, well, let's say they're playing out in metaphoric ways, mm-hmm. in kind of, uh, I don't want to use the term dream-like because that implies something else, but they're, but these events are showing up symbolically. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at the same time, these events are showing up as something very real. People are, you know, have had missing time. People have had close-up UFO sightings. Um, we can put someone in, in the electric chair in America, for or whatever, I guess, whatever. We can, someone can be executed by witness testimony in America. Um, and, but we, but the same witness testimony
2: is, is has to be based on evidence, not hearsay evidence.
3: Yes, but I, you can talk to the person, the first person. You're not talking, it's not hearsay when someone says, I have seen a UFO.
2: Where's your proof?
3: I don't have any. I mean, I, I so where, where's my proof? So I have, I have had several sightings with other people. Mm hmm. In with several, so I've had sightings with other people. Have you taken any oh. photos? I have not ever taken any photos of what would I would consider a UFO. Now, why not? I this is the, with an era of cameras and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I was mean, this is I was twelve year old boy when I had a joint sighting with. Oh, a I
2: see. Nothing recent.
3: Uh, nothing recent okay. that involved a camera. <laughs> All right.
2: Yeah. This is you know the, when you look at the UFO phenomenon from the outside. My background as a police investigator, criminal investigator, ideal in proof, ideal in facts, ideal with evidence. I have not to this day seen any evidence that would substantiate any claim of a UFO from outer space.
3: And I'm not saying there's UFOs from outer Mm -hmm. space. I'm saying that there's unidentified flying objects that that people are witnessing and documenting and uh, documenting in the sense that they're contacting me and telling me their stories and I'm documenting their stories. So yes, I get exactly what you're saying. I am not a police investigator. So what are and they saying and what are okay, they let reporting? Me just, I, I feel like I am playing the role of myth or, um, folklorist, right? So we have an emerging folklore mm-hmm. and I feel this folklore should be documented. I don't know. I, I cannot vouch for the veracity of anyone's experiences except my own.
2: So do you believe everyone who contacts you and tells you that they've seen a UFO or they've been abducted by an extraterrestrial?
3: I take them very seriously. But do you believe them? I take, here, I'll tell you, let me just finish. I take them very seriously. Mm -hmm. I take their reports. Mm -hmm. I contact them. I have a back and forth exchange. And then I look for similarities in other stories. Some people tell me some weird stuff. And I'll, I'll, yes, sometimes I'm very skeptical. Mm -hmm. If I see a pattern you know, you take one file and it sits there alone and there's no, there's it's a one-off. Right. And not much I can do with that, right? So if I, once I start to see a pattern, then I take it seriously. Now, once again, I am not a police investigator. I am an artist. Right. And I am dealing with, with what I consider an emerging folklore, an emerging modern mythology is taking place right now. But you also said In,
2: that you're a researcher, that you've spent the past decade researching this. I have some, been immersed in it, yes. When, you could, if you want somebody, to paint
3: a picture of me as being obsessed what, and what, creating Wait a stuff, sec, hold can, on here, wait a sec, on.
2: hold on here. As a researcher, do you not vet the information that is coming to you? Do you not vet the person who is telling you this information in order to see if the person, you know, is there anything in his background that may shed light on what, the, what is being seen, heard, or reported? Or do you just take everything that he says and say, okay, fine. You know, that's your story.
3: I'm going to publish it. So, yes, you've asked a very good question. I am one person. If Mm -hmm. you wanted to give me a million dollars and I could have a staff of people to vet these folks, that would be wonderful. Presently, I'm getting many what I consider... um, in, let's say just say intriguing reports, right? Mm-hmm. So I can't say whether they're credible or not. I'm getting several intriguing reports a day. Okay, you multiply that by a year—that's over a thousand reports a year. And I'm getting—I am like—I am like the smallest little researcher on the outskirts of this oh, stuff.
2: Okay. okay, but do all these reports have owls included in them?
3: Most of the ones I'm receiving do. Yes. <laughs> so,
2: yeah. So, how many reports would you say in the year 2017 you received? In total, and what percentage in that total would have an association or a synchronistic account with an owl?
3: Okay, so I'm just doing this off the top of my sure. head. Just, I, I, I appreciate that, yeah. Close to a thousand.
2: Hmm.
3: And of that, 80% would have an owl. Or if you wanted an owl or synchronicity, it would be near 100%. Hmm. So yes, I'm at so so here I am at the receiving end of what I am considering a new, modern. The way I frame it is folklore, right? So I can't frame it scientifically. I'm not a scientist. I can't. I'm not an investigator in in a, in a in the strict dogmatic way that your police experience would would want to define an investigator as. Sure. I am simply uh, archiving these stories, sure, sharing not- them. Mm-hmm. And telling the, the, the stories as best I can. So if someone says to me, like, listen, I, someone contacted me and said, I had an owl outside my window. Uh It shot a blue beam, uh, a a blue laser beam came from, (laughs) from the stars, hit the owl. And then that owl, then that blue beam hit me while I was lying in bed. Now I have a couple stories like this, so that's not a one-off. All Mm -hmm. I can do is say, I heard this story. I'll report it. You know, I, I don't want, I don't want to dwell on it, right? So it'll take, in a book, it takes a few paragraphs, mm-hmm. and I'll compare it to the other stories like that. Yes, I recognize this is, this is, and the person, I've talked to the person on the phone, the person seems credible. It is a credible person telling an incredible story.
2: All right, uh, Mike, I want to thank you so much for joining us. We have to say so long for tonight, but Exxon Nation, you heard it here first on the Exxon. Owls and UFOs. Oh, I get it. That's because owls give a hoot. I don't know. The story seems like it's for the birds, if you ask me. And that's Craig's way of telling me that he agrees with me. All right, Exxon Nation, I'll be back on the other side of this break as we continue hearing the Exxon from our broadcast center in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada.
4: We all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast, but the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage
5: biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for $2.50. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2.00. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer a combo meal. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.